0: So, Erica mentioned the Speakeasy Project, and uh, when you come next week, don't be afraid. Uh, it's it's going to be much more, uh, I don't know, palatable is probably a harsh word, but uh, last year, we did like a roadside stop, um, you know, like driving Route 66, you know, uh, heads in jars, and that kind of thing. And I remember walking here on, on a Sunday, and I thought, now this church is weird. <laughs> so, like the 1930s, 40s, Art Deco, that's, you know, that's just kind of cool. Um, so, don't be alarmed. Uh, welcome to Liminal. Uh, I'm Brian. I'm one of the many who, uh, <laughs> thank you, uh, are part of the teaching team here. Uh, today, we embarked uh, Wayne... Uh, kicked it off. Uh, The power of a good question. That's this little mini-series we're doing. Um, uh, We love questions here at Liminal, uh, especially complex questions that maybe don't have an easy answer or a a simple answer or any answer for that matter. Uh, Somebody said something about a smartphone. I always think, okay, when I hold mine, I think, who's smarter, me or this device, and I think the device is winning, quite frankly. And so some questions I absolutely can't answer, because I'm just not that smart. Uh, So that's what led me to using this question for today. For those of you who were with us for the Mark series that lasted like a year and a half, uh, back in chapters 8 of uh, Mark's gospel, Jesus confronts the disciples, and he asks a series of questions. He says, Do you not see? Do you not understand? Are your hearts hardened? Can you not see? Can you not hear? Do you not remember? Do you not understand? (laughs) That's a bit of a verbal diatribe, Uh, and uh, it's with some justification because at this point the disciples have been with him for a fair amount of time. They've seen multiple miracles. They've just, they've seen it all, and Jesus is going, look, and every time he turns around, they're having a discussion that is contrary to what he has been putting out there. And they, they just don't get it, which quite frankly gives me some solace, some comfort, because I've been a Christ follower for a while, and, and I often still feel like I don't, I don't get it. Um, Jesus asks these questions of the 12, his closest followers, right? And they don't get it. So, if we were one of them, one of the 12 back then, right, we would probably do the same. Our question for today, I took from there, do you still not see or understand? And that's a bit of a setup, right? Uh, Kind of, if I were to put a uh, a secondary title to that, if you remember in C.S. Lewis's Chronicle of Narnia, uh, one of the characters says, I'm really scared to meet Aslan, right? Aslan, the lion character. Uh, I've never met a lion before. Is he safe? And Mr. Beaver says, of course he's not safe. He's a lion, but he's good. And I think that oftentimes, and you'll see in the text that I've chosen for today, that coming in contact, encountering the living word, the Son of God, Jesus, at this point when he was on the earth, is not safe. Um, So, that's, we're going to leave Mark. Those questions were in Mark, but they inform, especially the the topic for today. It's from the Gospel of John, and it's chapter 9. And for me, it's probably uh, one of my all-time favorite uh, passages in the Bible, Uh, and it starts like this. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind, right? The disciples seem like they're showing off a little bit here, right? Uh, uh, suffering and sin went hand in hand, right? And so the idea that somebody was blind from birth, it, it would really be one of two causes. Either they sinned, which I always think, as I scratch my head, in utero, Right? Because he was born blind, or his parents uh, were blind. Uh, Before we get into that, to what Jesus says to that, I'd like to say a few things about this man. First, I'd like to give him a name, all right, Uh, for the purpose of calling him something other than the man born blind, or the blind man, or this man, or simply the man. He's the man, all of which are contained in the text. But the biblical text does not name him. Uh, Practically every time I have read this text or taught this text uh, as an adult, I have called him Billy, (laughs) all right? In my clever way, way back when, I'm sure I probably thought blind Billy had a nice ring to it. (laughs) Hey, blind Billy. Uh, For me, it stuck. And I guess uh, you are stuck with it today. Real question, does anybody have any change in their pocket? Anybody change? Does anybody carry change anymore? Yeah, dig some out and then bring it up here because I need it. Thank you. I knew somebody would have to have change. All right. In my clever way, I thought it probably sounded good, right? But for me, it stuck. And so I guess because we're together today, uh, you're stuck with it too. Uh, but what I believe giving... Oh, this is perfect. Thank you. That's a, Oh, look at this. Thank you. You'll get this uh, back after... Um, there you go, a little precursor. Uh, doing this, I believe, provides us a way to not place him in a story, right, way back in time. Billy is a modern name, a name that you maybe call a loved one or a friend today, right? I hope to meet this man someday, and I'm sure what he'll do is he'll walk up to me, you know, on the other side when I'm on the other side, and he'll go, hi, I'm not Billy, My name is Hezekiah, you know, because it would have been a name that would have been, you know, first century Palestine, not, you know, 2023 in in Ventura. Calling in real time Billy, it helps us remember that he's not a character, right? He's not a prop in a play, but he's a real human. He had a name. He had a family, and he lived in a very hard time. Think about it, right? To be born blind in Palestine in the first century to what was an agrarian society, right? Where people literally scratched from the earth their existence. Uh, it, it plays into, we're going to talk about the Sabbath in a little bit, right? To give up a day, that was a big deal, right? So somebody who was born blind, who could not function physically in that society, that was, that's rough, right? That was rough. A society, if you didn't work hard yours and the ones you love would likely die. There was no s- social safety net. Uh, we know that Billy was an adult at the time because it's mentioned later in the text. He was older than 13. Uh, so we know that because of his blindness, he had only really one option to make a living, right? Uh, to contribute to his family. So, and that was this, Right? And I know it's a little bit of drama, but I wanted you to think about that. So for this man's life, we don't know how long he had been begging, but it had been a while. How many times did he say thank you for these meager donations into his dish? How many times did the ringing of these coins that he was able to bring home happen in his lifetime over and over and over again? Right? Begging. Begging. We just don't know. All right, so back to the disciples' questions. Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? By the way, uh, this feels reminiscent of the friends that surrounded Job, right? And their friendship and their offering that, you know, we know you're suffering. Why don't you just curse God (laughs) and die? Sorry, Billy. Bless you. Too bad for you. It was probably your parents, right? Jesus responds, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the works of God may be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do nothing. We must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. I'm sure there was silence after Jesus said this. The disciples had to anticipate with that statement something's coming. This happened so the works of God might be displayed. As long as it is day, there is urgency in that statement, right? As, as pointed out by Dr. Donald Carlson, whose commentary on John I really am thankful for and informed a lot of what I'm talking about today, Dr. Carson writes, It must be said that these verses are crucial to precisely because they signal to the reader how the healing of the blind man is to be understood it is not just a miracle. It's a sign. It is the work of the Father mediated through the sent one to shed light on those who live in darkness. The evangelist, right, John, the guy writing this gospel, is thus telling his readers that the long-awaited Messiah really is Jesus. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, He spit in the ground, made some mud with the saliva, put it in the man's eyes, and said, go. Note that. He said, go, he told him. Wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. Jesus, walking among us for a short time, was sent by the Father. The juxtaposition of day and night, light and darkness. When the light shines, some are healed and some... Others turn away, because that light is just too bright. They can't handle it. The spit. All right. <coughs> we have to talk about the spit. Did you know? I know. Martha shook her head. Oh, God. I'm not, I'm not going to do it. Although there's nothing worse than, like, you're walking along a walking path, and somebody goes, ah! And you're like, ah! Did you know that uh, most states in, in these United States, that's still against the law? Right? And it comes from, it comes from yeah, oh, yeah, because it comes back, it comes from back in, in the days of when tuberculosis ran rampant, right? So you think, wow, with COVID, well, didn't we, why didn't we bring that back, right? I didn't see anybody go. oh, why are you going to jail? Oh, I'm going to jail for spitting, right? <laughs> By the way, just total side note. Did you know that if you steal over $100 in avocados, that's a felony? Yeah. Just want to say, I always thought in the prison yard, what are you in for? Attempted murder? What about you? Avocados. <laughs> Anyway, totally off book. So the laws come from when tuberculosis ran rampant. Spit is inherently unclean, right? And yet we have the living word, Son of God, Son of Man, standing there, hoiking into the ground. Why? why? Why would Jesus do this? And so here, oh, not only just do that, but then he's going to. Uh, uh, Bring up the man's blindness by sticking it in his eyes, right? So, just a couple of thoughts on the spit. Uh, spit is inherently unclean, but by Jesus doing this, he's inherently uh, asserting his authority. That's what some of the commentators argue, which makes sense, right? He's doing what God did way back in the first book of the Bible, uh, where he took the ground and made mud with it and created human beings, right? so Jesus is showing his authority he's also in my opinion metaphorically spitting in the eyes of the characters that we're going to run into in a little bit which are the pharisees right because the pharisees were hardcore about doing one of well many things hundreds if not thousands of things but one of those things on that list was kneading right Keeping the Sabbath, which, by the way, this healing takes place on the Sabbath day, you weren't supposed to make bread, right? You weren't supposed to do anything like that. You were supposed to pay attention to your family, pay attention to God, um, and you were not supposed to knead. So, Jesus spits in the ground and then kneads this this clay into, uh, you know, uh, this uh, earth, this dust into this clay and sticks it in the blind man's eyes. Also, a little, I think, asserting his authority. So... So, we'll get to that in a few, anyway, about the Pharisees. So, the man went and washed, and he came home seeing. Probably one of the biggest understatements in the Bible. He washed, came home seeing. Right? What is this like? If you want to spend a few hours uh, on YouTube, which many of us have lost at least that, uh, look at some of the videos, specifically of children... Babies that gain sight. Of course they don't speak, it's the expressions on their faces. It's overwhelming. I, you know, as one who likes to uh, try to get into a character, I have no frame of reference other than those videos for understanding what that must have been like for Billy. To, after all of this time, go to this pool and then wash, and suddenly it's like Dorothy's stepping out of black and white or out of complete darkness and into technicolor. It's like, oh my gosh, it's, it's, it's overwhelming. Just go and wash and wham, full-color reality. How does one process that moment? And that's really what we're looking at. As Billy walks through this, he is processing this in real time. So. What's, what's this like? It's unbelievable is what it's like. And that is actually the word that describes the next verse, right? The neighbors find this whole thing preposterous. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man? He used to sit and beg, right? Some claimed that he was. Others said, nah, he looks like him. But the man himself said, it's me, Right? He's like, guys, no, no, I mean, that's, I am. But he himself insisted, I am the man. I'm the man. So, all right, they, so what happens is, what is, uh, sorry, I don't know. They, they replied, how then were your eyes opened, they asked. He replied, The man they called Jesus made some mud, put it in my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man? They asked him. I don't know, he said. Why does Billy not know where Jesus is? Huh? Because he never saw him before. I have read this text (laughs) umpty-ump times. I never saw that. I always thought this all took place next to the pool of Siloam and that Jesus was standing there and watched Billy wash his eyes and then, then he went, okay, let's go, and he grabbed the 12 and they ran away. There is some distance there. We don't know how far away from the pool of Siloam because he says, go and wash. And Billy's like, I don't know. He felt the mud in his eyes and then he went, his, made his way to the pool of Siloam and he washed and presto. So what do the, what do the neighbors do? The next text says, "They brought him to the Pharisees the man who was born blind. Now, I always thought well that 's kind of kind of mean right <laughs> we 're going to take you you know you 're going to jail kind of a thing i don 't think that 's it. I, I think really there was no ill intent here. You, you have to remember that like the Pharisees themselves as a group uh, were they had authority within especially the local community, you know the sanhedrin did their court in the temple, and the Sanhedrin were more removed from the people, but the Pharisees were in among the people and everything, and I mean everything, especially in Palestine first century, it it had a religious connotation. So the idea that they're going to go, oh my gosh, this is an amazing thing. This guy that we have known in our community for years, born blind, we don't We don't know as a a community how we're going to wrap our heads around this thing. So they grab Billy and they go, we're going to uh, to the Pharisees. And they drag him in front of the Pharisees. They brought him to the Pharisees, the man who had been born blind. Now, quick info on the Pharisees. Their name, anybody know what their name means? Set apart, right? That kind of tells you about who they kind of think they are. The Pharisees were much... More and in the local population, as I said. They were disciples of Moses, right? That's where they got their authority, which is a profound authority. And these were men that studied and devoted their lives to the study and the interpretation and the dispensation, the the authority to keep the law of the Torah, right? The first five books of the Hebrew Bible Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, right? So the neighbors. Bring Billy before them. Now on the day in which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was the Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him about how he had received his sight, right? So there's Billy. He went from sitting on the ground, listening to coins in his, in his, uh, in his bowl to now he's standing in front of this body of learned men. He says very succinctly, You put mud on my eyes, the man replied, I washed and now I see. Most defense attorneys would say, well done, the fewer words the better. Very succinctly put, Billy, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? They were divided. This is the whole rabbinical model, right? They're they're arguing over this thing, justly, right? Keeping the Sabbath is a big deal. For, For the people, this was tough, trying to stay alive by working a full day of the week, as I said, devoted to God. I know I've said this before, but it's worth hearing again. If you asked any rabbi of the day, what was the most important thing? He would say, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love your Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your might. No doubt. That's what a rabbi then and now would say to that question. But the writings of the day, so many were devoted specifically to keeping the Sabbath, right? Right? What was allowed and what was not? The Pharisees were at the pointy end of the spear, right, when it came to this. What Jesus did violated the rules of the Sabbath. So they're like, how can we, this obviously seems to be of God, but how, you can see the tension in their argument. No healing on the Sabbath was allowed unless it was life-threatening, and certainly no kneading of bread or dough or mud Jesus broke the rules, and for some that was insurmountable. For others, a question pers- uh, persisted How can a sinner perform such signs? Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, uh, He's a prophet? Two things here. Billy calls Jesus a prophet. He's moved from a man called Jesus to now he's saying, He's processing this whole encounter. So he's taken a bump up, right? He's gone from he's a man called Jesus to he's a prophet. And this is a loaded word for the Pharisees, right? Uh, And it's hard for them to swallow. Uh, Maybe Billy, being an expert on blindness, he could see how the Pharisees' theology stymied their vision, right? As Billy is coming to terms personally and theologically with what's happened to him, he's starting to connect the dots. Billy moves from Jesus being a man calling him a prophet in front of the leaders of his community. Not being able to come to some conclusion, the Pharisees look for a way out. Bringing the men's parents. They still did not believe what had been told to them about the blind man and how he'd received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. So they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that, you, that now he can see? Ah, uh, the parents. We know he's our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind, but how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He's of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had already decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would put the, be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, he is of age, ask him. Only Billy himself would know more about how much of a miracle this was, what it meant to their family, right? The mom and dad had to have been in their hearts and in their minds wrestling with that just like their son were. But when they got up in front of the the Pharisees, they didn't want to be booted out of their community. So they said, ask him. And going over this text with my wife, you know, because this is what happens, you know, I'm talking about this, you know, as I prep for this. She said, what was the next meal like at their house? <laughs> Billy's like sitting there, so, it's pretty cool, I could see, huh? Yeah. So, you showed up and you just totally just said, you know, punted it back to me, thanks a lot, mom, dad. <laughs> I know it's just been a few coins here and there, but now I can see. So I can do all kinds of stuff. And that's how you're going to treat me? I mean, you know, who knows, right? A second time, they summon the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. Pretty much tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help you God. They're asking him to swear an oath. We know that this man is a sinner. That's key in the text, right? The, the Pharisees in the ensuing time have made a decision. We cannot, we will not say this was of God. Jesus is a sinner, so it, it, it can't happen anyway else. He broke the Sabbath. This whole thing, we're trying to come to some conclusion here, but Jesus is a sinner. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he is a sinner, this is Billy, right? Is a sinner or not? I don't know. One thing I do know, and he's standing there in front of them, I was blind, but now I see. He's wise here. He's not going to argue theology with the Pharisees, right? With this group of learned men. But he's smart, man, which we're going to see in just a minute. He sticks to his personal facts. I was blind, but now I see. Whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But that's the one thing I do know, that I was blind, and now I see. But the next verse, right? He, as he's standing there in front of these guys, he can't contain himself. This man who was born blind has a brain and a sharp wit, and who knows how many of the arguments he had heard as people were passing by him, and he pondered. And I, I have to think because of his disability, he was probably discounted. They, they probably thought that his blindness meant that, you know, he, he didn't have uh, the ability to reason or who knows what you know people think sometimes and yet he's sharp and he shows it right here he can't contain it he pushes back when they ask him what did he do to you how did he open your eyes he answered i've told you already and you did not listen why do you want to hear it again do you want to become his disciples too the pharisees are like ha ah! no, I'm not making this up. Look at the next text. Then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. We are the disciples of Moses. Underline that. That is where our authority comes from. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. Right? Right? The man answered, (laughs) Now, I just see him, Now, that's remarkable. (laughs) You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, he listens to the godly person who does his will. It's like an Oxford Don, right? He's making a solid argument here to this body of learned people, right? This blind man who just hours ago was sitting uh, accepting change. That's remarkable. Nobody, he says, has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man, and here's a leap, was not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you were steeped In sin at birth, going back to the disciples. How dare you lecture us? That's a day. You wake up in the condition that you've been in all of your life, and Jesus shows up and gives you sight. And suddenly a day like you could have never expected, in a series of hours you go from having your sight restored to being in front of the, 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 like the leading body of, of, of politics and religion in your community, and then you're thrown out. I, I, I can't even imagine what that would be like. And then they threw him out. And here's where I just think it gets really cool. Slide. Next slide, please. Jesus heard that they would thrown him out, and when he found him, underline that if you can, and when he found him, it means he knew, he heard, and he went looking for Billy. He said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who, who is he, sir? The man replied. The man asked, tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Jesus said, for the judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Some of the Pharisees, little side note, now make it about them, close side note who were with him, heard him say this. So, you can imagine the scenes playing out. Jesus is talking to Billy. The twelve is there. All the Pharisees are gathered around watching this exchange, and they step in, and they ask this question. Some of the Pharisees who were with him heard him and and asked, "What are we blind to?" And Jesus says, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt Remains. Do you not see or understand? So, Billy's progression, and that's, I want to focus on that because that plays into our, our lives. Billy's progression, a man called Jesus, a prophet sent from God, and finally, Lord, happened in concentrated real time, right? Did Billy in this moment become a follower of Christ? I don't know. That's really, it's between him and God. He's certainly on that road. I mean, it's pretty earth-shattering, right, this contact that he's had with the living Word of God, the Son of Man. He's certainly heading in that direction. Billy certainly saw and was understanding. That understanding came from inside him. Things happened to him and around him. But that process of going from man to Lord was one that he did in real time, a short amount of time because it was so dramatic, but it took time. Objectively, at that moment, Billy had more understanding than the very disciples that followed Jesus. Of course, that changed, right? But at this time, as the disciples were trying to work out, what does this all mean? Who is this Jesus? So a couple questions for you before I close. Of all the people in this story, which one do you identify with the most? And I've been wrestling with this question. Um, I think for me, I I, I identify with a lot of them. (laughs) I I think that I can be a Pharisee sometimes. I think rules are, are good. I think they make a society. But when you become a master to just the rules, if there's no balance to the approach, um, we get lost. So, I, I, I don't see the Pharisees as villains at all. Um, I kind of get it, but they miss it. I, I'd, I'd, like to, I'd like to think I'd be like Billy, but I have no image. I just ha- I can't wrap my head around what that was like. The disciples have always given me hope because they, they missed it, even though they hung out with Jesus and here i am you know decades into being a christ follower and, and i'm still trying to understand it so think about that which one do you identify with here's a question for each one of us that we should ask ourselves really daily how well am i doing spotting the continuing work of god in my life if a person born blind is like way up here on the scale all right and Getting out of bed in the morning and putting your clothes on is down here. What about all that stuff in between, right? Can, do you see it? For some of us, that answer is not at all, right? I don't see it at all. For others, sure, I catch a glimpse now and then, but moments later, I move on like nothing ever happened, right? If you struggle with this, that's okay, right? Showing up is the first step. There are, there, are, there are way, way too many distractions in this life. Divine revelation, right, which is what Billy encountered, personal revelation, comes with time spent, consciously watching for, evaluating how God moves in and around us in this world that we live in. The Pharisees were very sure that their judgments were correct right that they had the corner on wisdom and the law and they were wrong and that's what jesus is saying at the end that they were in the dark and i'll say this openness and and uh, meekness those are the ways to come before god arrogance is the killer of spiritual sight and that's hard because, so, I mean, all you got to do is turn on the news. There's a lot of people who think that, that they know they have absolute understanding. And that's arrogance for something that was a creature created. They believe, that they, the Pharisees believed they could see and yet were spiritually blind. This is why Jesus says to t- them, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim to see, your guilt remains. We are just like Billy, right? But in the spiritual sense, we are born blind, uh, blind from birth, right? In our seeking of God and admitting our blindness, the light can shine through, right? We are spiritually blind from birth. The light can shine through and show us the way. Do you not see or understand? I'd like to ask the band to come up and, yeah, if you'd join me in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, uh, for this chapter. Uh, I thank you for the challenge that it is. I am so thankful for the process. And, Lord, I ask that you speak to each and every one of us as we're walking in that process, as we're looking for divine revelation. We ask you uh, to continue to bless us. And lastly, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.